Thanks once again for tuning in to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio. In this episode, we're joined by a veteran, actionist, nah. lobbyist, and general empathetic human being. They've faced off judges and magistrates. Tim Spears here has been known to fight the law, and they won. Like, they fought the law, and they won. Which is rare, isn't it? So, um... We're going to hear more about that because I know so many people are genuinely terrified of being arrested or sentenced, despite the reality that revolution, progress for that matter, is illegal. Like it's against the law, it's made that way, so we don't have it. So those of us who want to fight for the changes humanity desperately needs... Or in your case, as you'd say, you know, animals of all sorts, which is, you know, absolutely, I agree with that. Those who want to fight for that, we have to accept that we are going to be challenged by the states. We might have to break the law. So Tim's going to share their decades of experiences in it to give us an idea of what this can actually look like. So welcome to the pod, Tim. We're honoured to have you. Uh, honoured to be here. Thank you so much for having me here. Um... So like you were saying, I was on, I'm not sure if you actually did say, but uh, yeah, I was on with a like far right I change denier on the radio the other day. That was like 20 minutes long. You could find that on talk TV. And um, that was a very stressful quite experience. Like he's a very intense man. He cuts you off a lot. So um, I'm really happy to be in a space where that I know that's not going to happen. So um, yeah, once again, thanks for having me here. And yeah, hopefully, you know, we can just share some some things that people need some different perspectives on some things. Well, so before we actually dive in, can I ask? I'm sure you, you don't mind. I mean, it's not like a fucking secret. But when is your bail up? Um, for our our most recent one. Hmm. Um. So I've got to go back on the police station on the 25th of August. The 28th. 25th. Is it the 28th? Is it? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I'm not sure. I think that might, that's probably the same as mine. I'm not sure. I know mine's around the 20th. And just for context for everybody, we were, I, I don't know why, but we were arrested for suspicion of causing criminal damage a couple of weeks back. Insane in a membrane. But nevertheless, um, we were. I mean, we just, just simply had like spray paint. And jumpsuits, as it turned out, I didn't actually know, but there we are. So we'll follow up and let you know what happened with that court case, isn't it? Um, but that's just one of many instances where, you know, you faced a judge, we spoke about that, and that's really what brought us to this podcast. It's just you have genuinely faced judges and magistrates, and you've even come out on top. So for, like, people generally don't think that that's the case. People think that you're probably might, you know, do an, an action or, you know, some activism and then you'll get arrested and then it's like their life down the fucking gutter. But that's not exactly the case. And I think we'll know more about that if we just, you know, go into the usual background question on the pod. It's a great way to get to know a guest. 
Um, so if you could just tell us a bit about your background, say any political ideology or tendency you might have and, and how that emerged, that would be great just to build and give context to who you are as a person before we dive into the rest of the subject matter. Thanks. Problem. Um, always a topic I'm happy to share. So I am currently 37 years old. I'm from um, this town called Launceston in Cornwall. So it's just on the border between Devon and Cornwall, North Cornwall, near Bude, not that far from Newquay. I grew up here yeah, and it was, um, I think, max population of like 10,000 people. So small town, small town community, everyone knows each other pretty much, everyone knows each other's business. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, I just didn't like that. I just, I didn't find, I, I like the people. I had loads of different friends in there, but I don't know, I didn't really love that aspect of it, that small town gossip. I've never really been one to gossip and I'm just currently reading Sapiens and apparently like that's how humanity's evolved and you know in some shape or form and the, the fact that we gossip. So obviously I know that I am very different and I just don't really even do that. Um, so around like 19, doing my A-levels, not really interested in them. Uh, was it computer studies, psychology and business studies? Um, a mate of mine taught me how to play poker. So I started playing poker with him and then started playing poker in sixth form. And then I start, then I bought a book and started playing online. And then I realized like just with the knowledge from this one book, like I was making um, decisions that were just superior to the opponents I was playing against. Realized like, you know, just the game is a game of skill. They lose money, obviously, and every it's part and parcel of it. That's why you need a bankroll to, you know, manage your money. Um, started making money from that and then I you know just did that and I did that for a living uh, for just over a decade about 12 13 years or so I moved to London when I was like 20 and then yeah met like a whole new group of friends and I basically my life was poker gigs go to raves spend as much time with my friends as possible go on holidays go snowboarding um, and I wasn't politically engaged with anything, like nothing whatsoever. I was literally in my own little bubble with my friends. So what brought that out? How did that come about out of nowhere? Yeah, um, roughly four years ago now, maybe a little bit over. I remember the exact date. I think it was around like, this is So I watched Cowspiracy on Netflix. And Cowspiracy just talks about the environmental impact of animal agriculture and fishing on the planet. I've always liked to think of myself as someone who, you know, wants to leave the world a better place than it was when they came into it, you know, or at least not leave it worse. And like, you know, to begin with, I suppose all you can do is your own like footprint, your own presence and stuff. So I remember littering once, I think, one, you know, just when I was young and not really thinking about it. My mum just like a massive go at me. So I think something like that kept in me and, you know, being environmentally conscious well, yeah, after that, watching that film, it was like Morpheus handing me whatever one it is. It's the red pill, isn't it? And it's like, oh, shit, this world looks completely different. <clears throat> so I went from eating animal products three times a day, not giving a shit, like having like ordering a pizza and just ordering, like you know, the meat feast. Uh, I just not consuming it. And then I saw Slaughterhouse footage. It'd be like two or three days after watching Cowspiracy. And I've like, you know, the most shocking, traumatizing stuff I've ever seen. And I was like, not only am I not going to consume this and buy this, pay for it with, my, you know, fund it with my money, I'm going to do everything in my power to shut it down, like 
you know, eradicate it. And like, you know, the sooner the better. From that moment on, I suppose that's when I would classify myself as an activist, which is about, yeah, four years ago. And to begin with, my activism was on just online. So like find some like local groups some some vegan, vegan groups, animal rights groups, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I come across this group called Anonymous for the Voiceless. And what they do is go out into public spaces with computer screens, laptops, phones, and on the phones, it's just basically showing like animal exploitation footage, so from farms, from racing, more testing, uh, all these sort of things. And it's set in a way where basically it's like, they call it like in this art, almost like an art demonstration. You stand there in the middle, masks on, screens, holding a sign with truth as well, one, uh, depending on how many people are in it, some like quite mellow, you know, somber music playing. And anyone, any member of the public that stops, watches, you know, just stops and watches, there'd be other members of the team that just could be like, you know, circling rounds and just sat back and then, you know, see them and just go up to that member of the public and go, oh, you know, have you seen any footage like this? Like, do you know why we're here? Like, how does it make you feel watching this sort of thing? And try But like, I thought because I changed for education, the world is going to change for education. Then I went out and talked to the public. 10, 15, 20 hours a week, every week for about a year and a half. And it's like, mm, I don't, yeah, change isn't going to happen like that because there's a lot of either, there's a lot of apathetic people out there. There's a lot of people with, you know, shit, you know, the system basically um, enslaves people and um, puts like a, um, you know, like a weight around their ankles and stops them being able to unleash their true potential. Obviously, like some people aren't in a position to do it, but then yeah, um, I, I realized like direct action was a lot more effective way to go. So from uh, basically it's like when XR came about late 2018, went along to one of their actions, went along to one of their NBDA sessions. They just talk about the history of nonviolence and like civil disobedience and um, all these sort of things. And I was like, yeah, that suits me. That's, that suits me much better. So um, and then, Join then and then, yeah, freelance activist, I would say, you know, sell myself to the highest bidder. Um. <laughs> Boss, yeah, there's a few points there that I'd like to go over because you talked about you reading Sapiens and you felt there's a disconnect between your nature and the nature of supposed human beings. You know, um, if you look into anthropology, the study of human beings like before recorded history, so to speak then you do see that humans are deeply empathetic social creatures that's enabled us to survive predators, you know, the elements and even the ice age. And yeah, I think that that is inherently human nature. I mean, we look after each other because we're made from human beings. So obviously we're going to look after other human beings to keep making other human beings so we can keep contributing to an overall better existence. As a species, that's why we have hands. That's we're the only animal that can speak to each other, you know, verbally. That's how important communication is, rather than, you know, the violence. So when, when you don't really feel like you want to do that in, in your um, community, I'd put that down to, like, culture, uh, society, ideology, you know, maybe you just don't want to interact in those ways or you feel like you have different values. And you've got to think of how much of a nature has changed in that way or nature, so to speak, because people are deeply violent out of desperate needs. Um, this is what happens when like resources are hoarded. It, it grows fascism because what anthropology also shows is not only were humans like deeply social, 
and, and and like you can see this because there's like pottery that can be found in one part of the world and the other part of the world and that shows these people were trading with each other rather than warring with each other but in times of scarcity drought or you know when you're being plundered that's when you're going to become violent that brings out the worst out of human beings and that probably is intuitive almost or, or like a biological cue so when you consider those things of how much abundance we could create for everybody and capitalism inherently hoards resources and promotes an artificial scarcity so that's why you can see people um, you know, be scared of that scarcity and want to steal, want to rob. And that's why entire nations do that to, to smaller nations. So, yeah, we've, we've definitely devolved away from a human nature. And I don't blame you for, for not wanting to take part in what people are telling us is human nature today, which is the evolution of capitalism or class structure society, because that's a load of bullshit. On conspiracy, yeah, I've seen that, and, and I think most people who see that are, are deeply moved by it. It does seem revolutionary, actually, because of just how little information there was previously about that. I think it even goes, doesn't it show even, like, the farmers in McDonald's, how they're tied by contracts where they can't actually farm on their land, how they, like, they literally um, either do what, like, McDonald's or somebody else says, or they get the farm taken off them and that's like the whole lives so there's loads of aspects to it and it's deeply well researched and i'd always recommend everybody to go out and watch that but not everybody will be as moved as you were which is why you're here today because um obviously you did something about it so when when you're doing those things and you could do these protests you could do these arts or you could do these actions you end up getting arrested. Don't you think that's utterly, absolutely absurd and silly and a waste of your life? That's what some people would say. Is, is that something you've heard before? I don't think I've heard it expressed um, with, that, with those words before. Um, but, yeah, maybe in general people, some people are saying that. And um, I, I suppose I get the logic where they're coming from, but I would say it's I primarily will be coming from a place of ignorance. And, you know, um, ignorance is probably seems like quite a strong word. Well, every single person on the planet is ignorant, like, you know, on a, on a scale of knowing everything, scale of knowing nothing, even the greatest minds are closest to knowing nothing. So we're all ignorant about a variety of different things. And that's like, totally cool, isn't it? But the problem, I suppose, with the Internet is that, it gives people a platform to spew their ignorant viewpoints. It's like instead of listening to people that are smarter than you or reading information that you clearly weren't aware of, um, they get, yeah, well, they'll say, well, they'd say these things like getting arrested is a waste of time and blah, 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 blah. But, um, I suppose how it's done, how the messaging is said, um, potentially at times like, um, certain groups, um, I'm, I'm not going to bother naming them, um, but certain groups, maybe, dramatize the the notion of getting arrested and saying arrested is the the only thing and everything is all about getting arrested and everything like that why why would they say that Suppose from a strategical sense um is that you know um, the judiciary system and the prison police cells everything are a pillar of power so they would they would have a breaking point they, they don't they can't infinitely in prison or put every single person in this country in a police station. So the idea is that 
if it, there's a tipping point. Below this number, nothing changes, but above this number, everything changes because they basically get to the point where it's like we're at breaking point. You've got to do what these people are telling you to do. Um, so that, that you know, this is a theory. It's like a numbers game, but none of us obviously know what that number is. Um, but for me, person on my personal level, not on a strategic level, as a personal level, the times that I've gone out and done something that's led to arrest, I all feel they're fully justified. Um, I all feel like I can justify that in front of either a magistrate's judge, in front of a jury. So, and um, that's how I take, say, strength, um, or you know, the, you know, that's the logic. That's the logic and the reason I use and go and do these things. Um, yeah, you know, maybe it makes no difference whatsoever. But um, so there's a really good book, I think, anyway, uh, called Blueprint for a Revolution. It's by one of the founders of Oppor. So the Serbian um, non-violent civil resistance movement in, um, in Serbia. And they're bringing down Slavodan Milosevic. I mean, I'm probably pronouncing that horribly, but hopefully people understand what I mean. And uh, within it, one of their tactics that they use is talking about how they'll, they'll be compassionate to the police. Like the police, like, and they went out and did things that got them arrested, acts of civil disobedience, because obviously when you're challenging those in power, it makes sense that they impose laws um, that restrict effective protest if it's effective. And um, it's, I think it's ludicrous when people go, well, that's illegal. Um, you can't do that. Well, it's like, well, that's, that's illegal, but from coming from the people we're trying to take out of power. So who gives a shit what they have to say? But with Oppor, basically what they would do, they, they they would be beaten the crap out of. I'm very lucky. I'm I'm a very privileged person being a white male in Britain. When I get arrested, I'm not facing police brutality or, or oppression by many others would. And that's, you know, I would never um, tell people you must do this. And this is the only way. Like, you know, we all have our strengths. So we do what our strengths are. And like, you know, I'm in a position to do that. So I'll do that. But I'll never tell anyone like that's what they must be doing we do what we all do what we can that's a that's a great point that often goes overlooked so but um Oppor, um use this tactic of basically being kind compassionate empathetic with the police even though they were being beaten up by them um and they did it because you know they're trying to, that's another pillar of power obviously like you know the, the police uh the law and order um, is a way of keeping control over our, you know, imaginary capitalist system. It's all like, you know, just an imaginary thing, you know, the figments of our imagination. And so, um, but eventually they were, you know, because so many people were taking action, eventually it, it wore them down. And when uh, finally on the day that the majority of people within the movement marched onto Bel, it, oh, I think it's Belgrade, um, capital of Serbia. Um, the police were like guarding like um, lots of the roads that led into the city. But then, you know, when the people got there and spoke to them and they were calm, they were nonviolent, they like let them roll through. They just moved aside. And that, you know, you could put down to this accumulation through their civil rights movement over the last couple of years of them potentially being compassionate with the police. I mean, like, I don't know. It depends what your definition of compassion is, because, you know, when you and I got arrested, like, you know, I was calling them all class traitors. I was like asking them if they'd see minority report. I told them like, you, you work for the rich and, and, uh, the, the wealthy and you're a total disgrace. And that was quite kind actually. You, you, you said a lot more. <laughs> I was trying to turn them against each other and everything. Me, because, um, there was that moment where we were in handcuffs, weren't we? 
we were cuffed in, in the back of this van. He was 15 minutes to go to the station. And this, somebody else who, who had been trying to, like, fucking, um, I've just been calling him a fucking pig in a class trade, and he's part of a gang. And he's like, oh, I didn't join to be in a gang. I'm like, well, you fucking are, are you? <laughs> you see them abuse people, and you're not going to do nothing about it, are you? That's why you're as fucking bad as them and that. And then, like, but he ended up saying to, like, this big fucking dickhead, um, he ended up saying, um, you know, they're in handcuffs, so take them out the cuffs because it's 15 minutes and they'll be all right. He, he said that to us first, so we'll get you out the cuffs. And then he said it to this fucking big bollocks fella, didn't he? And then this big bollocks, bollocks turned around to this other busy. And um, he said, no, nah, we won't take them out the cuffs. He said, we'll just put the cuffs like on the front. And I was like, what? I was like, don't you respect your own colleague enough to fucking trust his opinion and listen to him? Like, who do you think you are? You're our last and that. And then he looked at, like, his colleague, and then he was like, okay, let's take the cuffs off him. And I was like, yeah, you fucking best dad as well, and give us a bottle of water as well. And then, oh, look, that, I, yeah, I fucking hate them. You're not meant to talk to the pigs and what, obviously, but, like, we didn't say nothing about, like, away. It just literally just a case of fucking hate you, you know. So, um, <laughs> the, yeah, the, um, so I suppose this is something that potentially I do that's different to others and that's different to the message that's kind of given. And, uh, you know, within most m- movements, the overall, um, uh, yeah, narrative that's given out is just don't talk to the police. And I, I get it. And that's obviously, um, much simpler to educate with like you know don't talk to them bang i won't talk to them job done but there's there's a difference between talking to them and answering their questions which can go like fuck off mate why would i tell you that it's like why would i give that information to the bodyguards of the establishment i'm like trying to bring down it's like no it's good but you can talk at them you can tell them some home truths you can tell them do you know when the police were invented? Do you know why the police were invented? Do you know what your role is? Like, you know, it's quite clear. And like now we're walking around um, the the country grounds, estates and public, you know, public footpath. Everything that we're doing and carrying was completely legal. The police were hanging out in a barn with private security on a billionaire's home. I mean, like this is if like anyone needs some clear, obvious examples of who the police works for. It's this. I'm sure, you know, many people listening have probably had like numerous instances where they could have used the police help because potentially they've been burgled or, you know, assaulted or this, that and the other. And the police do absolutely nothing. But if you're a billionaire, no problem whatsoever. They get all the people there. They're literally just standing there twiddling your own thumbs. And yeah, you know, I mean, fair play to them. They were right. I mean, they looked in my bag and I've got, you know, all the stuff that they thought I was going to have. So, so, you know, good job. But still, I genuinely, I'm not sure about you, but I genuinely want them. I mean, you know, if Oxford police, you're watching this, press charges against me. I want you to press charges against me. I want to take you to court. I want to cross-examine the police officers who arrested me. Okay. So please do, like, honestly. This is why Tim's on the show. Like, he, they're not lying. They're deadly serious. Like, they've done it before, like, with other judges and that. Like, they're one of the sickest actionists in the fucking country, you know. Like, look at the confidence. They know what they're doing. And, and like, we're lucky to have them on to learn from this. If you just want to continue, if you had anything in your mind, or I can ask you about any instances that you've actually had within the courts already and how that went. I can share some, you know, some court, some court stories. Most of the time that I've, yeah, all the times I've ever been arrested, I've like, you know, 
on it out with, you know, knowing that that's going to happen. Like if I'm blocking a road, if I'm causing criminal damage by spray painting a building or something, if I'm trespassing, if I'm occupying a building, you know, if I'm covering it in red paint, etc. Um, there was one time I went out and I wasn't planning on getting arrested. It was during COVID. Animal Rebellion was just doing this march to Buckingham Palace and they're talking about grouse shooting and the, the basically like the the ethical side of obviously just shooting grouse and then the environmental side of how it happened because like for what they do is just burn the land and then obviously the, and then the grouse fly up into the air to escape the fires and then they shoot them so um so we did a march basically highlighting this, talking about CO2 emissions and everything. So the march was fine. And then we got to the Buckingham Palace and we put on more of a display. We had like a big sound system. We had some visuals and the police were just like, actually, no, eyes over um, and like imposing like the COVID um, fines. You know, this is at the time during the pandemic and lockdown and everything. So it's like, you know, you've all got to go home now or giving you a hundred pound fine. I'm just like, no way, not now. Um, so police officer comes to me. It's like, you're going to go. It's like, no, it's like, I'm, I'm just exercising my democratic right um, to protest. Um, and he goes like, um, you know, the COVID thing. And it's like, mate, actually, you're the closest person to me right now. Like, I've got a mask on, I'm doing my, making an effort to stand away. Like, you know, actually, you're the most likely person to give me COVID. So can you back off? <laughs> And he goes, you're going to give me, um, no, right, so I'm going to issue you a fine. I, I'm, are you going to give me your name? And I go, obviously not. And he just basically wrestles me to the ground, puts me in handcuffs, and I just, like, start shouting at him. But anyway, I get to the police station. I've got, like, my, I've got my tax-free vaporizer on me. It's like this. How was your feeling during all of this? Were like, like, what, what was it like? Was you scared? Was you confident? Was you just too angry at this point that you just had to do it? How was you feeling, if you can remember? I was calling them all idiots. It's like, how dare you? It's like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you know, um, calling them the class traitors. And, um, so I was just literally mate, like, the truth to power. So they get me to the station and they search all my stuff and they find my, my weed vaporizer. So they take that off me. And then they find like a little bit of weed on me. So there you go. Like after the, doing the interview and everything. Um, and then I get a letter in the post saying you're going to, they pressing charges against me. So I've got to go to the courts for my plea hearing. They, they dropped, they're not even, they didn't even bother with the 100 pound COVID fine. They dropped that, but they just pursued the cannabis charges. So went along to court for that magistrate just by myself, walk into the dock, judge is like, blah, 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 blah. How do you plead guilty or not guilty? And I go to him. The only reason I am here today is because I'm under duress. If I don't show up today, you will send your little minions in their fancy dress costumes to come and kidnap me, hold me hostage and come and bring me to court. It's totally ludicrous and a waste of my time, your time, the taxpayer's money to be putting this on. Like cannabis is a plant. It's a literal plant. If there's any religious people in the courtroom today, your God created this wonderful drug. It helps in so many ways. It cures my depression. And the like, judge like cuts me off right there. And he goes, Tim, I can see where this is going. So I'm just going to, you, you've got two options. You can plead not guilty and go to a magistrate's judge, uh, which means if, like for anyone not listening, sort of like this mansplaining or something, but potentially maybe some people don't know the difference. But like a magistrate's judge is just a courtroom where it will just be the judge alone. You, you present your information to the judge and the judge will be the side if you're guilty or not guilty. And if you're guilty, what 
punishments, whatever you'll give you. You can, so you guys, you can do that in a, like you can go to the magistrate's court, your trial, or you can go to the crown court. And the crown court is when you present your information to the jury. And the juries are the ones that, um, make the decision if you're guilty or not guilty. And if you're guilty, then it's up to the judge what punishment you get. So I'm like, I'm caught. Like, yes, please take that every day of the week. So I was like, I go out like skipping going, this is great. Like, I can't wait for this. You're actually going to put a, ju- a jury crown court trial, which costs about 20 grand for like barely a joint's worth of weed, barely, maybe, maybe two joints worth of weed at most. So I'm calling them all idiots. Like all the other people in the room, like obviously like, you know, hate me. Like they don't, they don't, I suppose they don't really experience someone that like shows such little respect for the court systems and like, you know, the whole like standing up saying, sir, madam, whatever it is, I like sit down when I talk to judges most of the time. Um, and then, so I get that and then got my trial date ready to go, ready to go after the jury to apologize for them for being like taken into this for a little bit of weed. I mean, if you want to punish me for smoking a joint, that just basically makes my life a little easier. Um, it's up to you. Do it. You do. But um, then I got a letter the day before saying, um, dear Tim, it's in the um, Crown, you know, the CPS, the Crown Prosecution's Davis. best interest. We, we've um, decided it's in the public's best interest to discontinue the case. And so it'll be dropping the charges um, and you do not need to get to court, basically. So. Wow. Um, so you you basically went there. He's like, "Be guilty or not guilty of this weed?" And you're like, "What kind of fucking joke is this?" You know, you playing dress up. You're gonna send the pigs playing dress up, and it's just a plant. And then you get the option to go to a crown court where you get a jury rather than just uh, three magistrates. Is it depends on um, the court and who the magistrates are. So if you've got like a district attorney as a magistrate, it'll just be one because like, they're like more yeah. qualified. But if basically, if, I think it's like, let, you know, like people are new to it, they will have three, three magistrates. And like wow. to become a magistrate, it's like 20, 30 hours of um, studying. That's it. Then you can become a magistrate. So the majority of magistrates, I think, like, maybe don't quote me on this, but like, you know, we've got the power of the internet. People can look this up uh, potentially. But I would say the majority of magistrates will be probably more right leaning. So they are going to yeah. be more on the whole, like, um, you know, come down harder on like drugs yeah. and, and stuff like that. And certain, certain mm. things that a more liberal judge um, would um, think differently upon. It basically is like mm. the, magist- the problem with our judiciary system, it's not consistent. Um, so you've got a variety of different judges basically like could do. So if you had the same, you know, in a volume or whatever, and it's, as an experiment, which you couldn't do, but I would say like, if you had the same case, same people, same presentation, and then had like a hundred different judges, Potentially for some, they could be coming with guilty or not guilty of different verdicts, depending on how they mm-hmm. see. And that's obviously yeah, the, that's yeah. a problem. There's some people imposing their worldview on you rather than following like rules and, a, and you know, a law and order um, that we've decided as a society. You know, like there's this thing like policing by consent that we should have. Um, we should be based, you know, and that doesn't really happen. The police officers basically impose how they see the, the world. Like one police officer can walk past a group of um people just smoking some weed and just keep on walking by doesn't bother them they're not going to bother another police officer would arrest all of them and take them to the police station and, and raid the house and everything 
On the uncertainty and what would happen, how many people have been convicted for what you got charged with? And how many people have got it on the record? How many people have got a tag before it, a fine, or even went to jail? And you actually, by standing up, speaking the truth, fighting for yourself and everybody else who's been a victim for it, actually got away with it. Like, what... Like it still blows your mind. Like that's that's just awesome. It's really it's really inspiring and it supports me as well because I feel like more confident just because of how confident you were when when we were getting arrested. You were like, "I'll see you in court." You know what I mean? And I was like, "Wow, okay, this this is probably nothing." You know what I mean? We'll probably brush this off. So uh, yeah, boss, I, I love it. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. I mean, hopefully they just do just drop the charges and like give me all my stuff back. But what? Yeah. They seized both of my phones. They seized my vaporizer. You know, I had a little bit of Xanax. So, yeah, you got it bad. Mm, it's my own fault, obviously. I shouldn't have come out with all those things. But like, you know, we we're literally. I just, just, I don't know. I was naive. I was a bit naive, really naive. I'd say I was. Um, you know, we literally were just walking along. I had my flip flops on. You know, your top off, cans of Stella. Yeah. We're just taking a little. You know. The problem was, as it turned out, it happened to be what the busies call the position of interest. Don't know what the fuck that was about, but, you know, it looked like we were at fucking Hogwarts and, and this was just one fella's big fucking land. I bet you it was like a big ruling class party where they all made like killer wasps and that. Do you remember that fucking wasp? <laughs> so, so I'll tell people this story. So we were fucking in handcuffs, yeah, on this hot day. And, like, basically being nicked, to standing about. One busy's got hold of Tim by the cuffs, like, behind him. And I'm, like, just there, like, in fucking cuffs and that. And, like, this wasp keeps fucking coming for, him, for me lip. Like, keeps coming for me lip. It's, like, coming like that. And I'm seeing it in my face and having to blow it away. And it keeps coming. Literally, I'm getting to the point where I'm, like, fucking help me and that. Because there's, like, fucking eight busies looking at me laughing. I'm, like, this fucking wasp is going to sting me. And I'm fucking starting to panic now because this wasp keeps fucking coming after me. And I'm in handcuffs and I can't run away. So I have to, like, try and dodge it while not making it look like I'm going to run away so they don't all just fucking jump on me and fucking bend me in half. So I'm like, help! And I see, <laughs> I see Tim and this busy, and I end up diving in between them, like wedging myself like that in between them, like using them as body shields. I'm in the middle of them hanging off. Next thing, this fucking wash coming about, lands on Tim's lip, right there. And then um, I just see it, and I'm like, oh my god. So now I'm like, trying to blow it off Tim's. I'm like, what is going on in here? You know what I mean? And then I think it, it, it like, fucked off towards the other busies, but, wow, I don't know what, I've never seen a wasp like that in my life. And when it landed on your lip, and you didn't even move an inch, like, you didn't even, you wasn't concerned. Wow. Well, I don't know, just from experience, it's just more like, you know, it's probably best just to not move around because that's more. I think that's when they're more likely to sting you. So I don't know. I was just playing like the odds, I suppose. But um, no, I was just you know I was just um I was just so angry. You know, it's just like just so pissed off with her, and that's what I was just like, you know, what purpose? Like, what job do you think you're doing right now? Like, like you've literally chosen a side, and you've chosen the wrong side. But um. 
you've all been just like fed this narrative that is just such bullshit and um and like they're, they're the only people in our society that are, are legally allowed to use force and like I'm being too rude I've interacted with a lot of police officers now they're not the smartest people in the world it's like you know some of them obviously are fine but to be perfectly honest they they, they really aren't but now you've got People that maybe don't have like um, a good grasp of, you know, the re- reality, um, don't underst- um, understand like um, the structures of power in place and like oppression that people face and like them, they're the reason for that oppression and everything and like they perpetuate it um, or they allow like a racist police officer or a sexist police officer or a homophobic police officer to get away with whatever they're doing. Um, I didn't, yeah, I was just, yeah, just angry. Um, but you said, um, we had the interviews as well. Um, so for mine, it was quite funny. I was just like, no comment, no comment, no comment. And then they're like, um, give us the phone. Can you give us the pin for your phone? I just like laughed at them. It's like, yeah, obviously not. Yeah, didn't it? And then they go, well, we can get a judge to force you to do it. It's like, nah, you can't force them to do anything. So, um, and then they're just like, still, you're seizing my phone. So then, then when I left, they checked me out and they gave me my bail conditions. It's like, yeah, fine. I don't really give a shit about coming what back. What time did you get out? Mm, about like two thirty, maybe. Yeah, I was, I was like the same. Where did you go from there? How the, how the fuck did you get home? They just uh, drove me to Oxford um, Coach Station, which was maybe oh. like a fifteen-minute drive. So we were having some interesting conversations about, you know, um, agriculture, talking about drugs. Because uh, there was like, you know, like, yeah, I was caught with weed and Xanax on me. So just talking about like why I smoke weed. And it's like, um, you know, like there's a really great, amazing uh, documentary on Netflix um, that I've, ju- I've just seen recently called Grassroots. And it's uh, the story of cannabis um, activism and people that basically suffer health, help, you know, really severe health issues that, um, it's their uh, the results in making their life like quite painful, like motor, multiple sclerosis, um, a few other ones, you know, like oh, should I should have know the name. Anyway, you know, they're in pain, and when they smoke weed or consume weed, um, it helps them. I mean, it literally make, improves their life. And mm. and I was like talking to police officers, like you know, like when's the last time any of you lot, like when was the last time you had to break up a fight of two people on cannabis, like when was the last time mm. you had a, you had to have you break, when when was the last time you had to break up a fight um, with two people that are on MDMA? Doesn't happen. But it's like they're perfectly fine with like alcohol, in my opinion, and alcohol and tobacco are like all the, out of all the drugs available you can put in your body. They're they're like two of the worst ones. There's so many better drugs, you know, that you can yeah. consume. Um, yeah, you know, um, like just because it's legal, like in their frame of mind, that like legality equals morality. Um, so they're, oh, they're just like they just don't question things. Um, mm. but yeah, you know, alcohol is responsible for so many for so much. Like it's a big, big problem. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, like anyway, I'd recommend that film, Grass uh, Grassroots. Um, I just, I'm gonna watch it t- yeah. today. 16, it's me. There's there's a, there's two films called Grassroots, but if you put like Grassroots Cannabis Documentary, you should be able to find it fine. Yeah, and on that, yeah, Graham Hancock talks about how you know the drugs are illegal, like complement the alert 
problem solving consciousness that you know capitalism demands let's so like coffee uh you know sugar alcohol all these things where you can like you can basically function to to the to the most part like um, while you don't work but anything that might be detrimental to towards producing capital or you know serving somebody is illegal you know as you see in pineapple express at the start but so let's press on actually so not keeping you all day I've got nothing to do, actually. I've got some screen printing to do for Just Up Oil, the Just Up Oil campaign. I'm not sure if anyone's heard of them. I'm going to do some screen printing and put their logo onto the back of Hybers thing. So I'll just be out in the garden, smoke a joint, and do loads of that all day in the sun, maybe get suntanned. So I like, you could keep, yeah. you keep me as long as you like until people start getting you bored. It sounds like you're really hate police, you hate spending time around them, so why even like bother protesting or doing action? Don't you realise you could just send letters to your politician or, you know, just just talk about it to people? Like, isn't that just enough? And in that way, you get to not see police? I genuinely wish that was enough. I'm going to use the word ignorance, but just to myself. I, I was ignorant and naive to think the world would change solely for education. Like, I went from, you know, I basically became like a radical, like overnight, I suppose, like almost like that's the way other people describe it. Um, I became like an activist pretty much on the spot with new information. And I, you know, I wasn't expecting everyone to switch like I did, but I thought sharing information with people would lead them to wanting to make changes. And then, you know, that snowball effect of like all of this sort of thing. And then they would teach other people and they would teach other people. Um, that would be the reason that change would happen. But yeah, I did that. I went out on the streets for a year and a half. Like, you know, majority of the time people just walk past people, you know, and like that is no fault of their own. Like, you know, people have got shit to do. Like it's so expensive to live in London. So, you know, everyone's stressed. Like they probably got commute loads, you know, they're paying loads for rent. I get that they don't want to talk to me. That's fine. But, you know, and I don't push trying to talk to people. I don't want to talk. I only want to talk to people that stop. We're having a proper conversation and being civil and everything about it. And yeah, it really just dawned on me. It's like, yeah, if most people are just walking by and not listening, how on earth is education going to change the world if like uh, people aren't being educated? And, and then, um, you know, like, yeah, like I said, XR came along and then, um, learn about like how the suffragettes, what the suffragettes did to win the right to vote, what Gandhi did, what Oppor did, the civil rights movement did. And we basically just like, now what I do basically is, um, take action against industries that basically aren't changing. So like there's, um, uh, I'm not sure if anyone's heard of this, uh, Kingy, Kingian nonviolence. So Martin Luther King's like teachings for like, it's, it's like six steps, like a six step plan. I, I can't remember all the steps. But basically like, you know, step one, I suppose like learn about your opponent, whoever you are, you are going up against. So like, you know, for, like, for Palestine action, it's like learn about Elbit systems, learn about where all the warehouses are, learn about everything you can like know about them and everything like that. Um, you know, you try to engage in dialogue, basically like, you know, engage in dialogue and say like, you know, what you're doing is wrong. You need to stop it. So stop it. So I can't remember all the other steps, but then like, basically it's like, well, you do all these things and change still isn't happening. And then you take direct action. And that direct action is the way that um, it's, it's called like something disrupting the negative piece. So, for Palestine action, Elbit Systems have got all these warehouses dotted around all the world. Like, so in the UK, what is with them now? Like, we've shut, there's two of them shut down. Um, and 
Yeah, Oldham and the headquarters in London. Nice. So, but yeah, all these warehouses are symbols of violence. They're symbols of, you know, oppression. They're, they're symbols of brutality. They, you know, and all these sort of things. And they profit. They profit from murdering Palestinians, like literally, and murdering vast amounts of other people because like the, the drones that Elbert used are sold to like, um, dictatorships and warmongering criminals all around the world. Um, so di- taking direct action, almost like it really is our last bet when we've tried all these other things we've tried the talking to the politicians we've tried the marches we've tried the um you know, this that and the other so it's like now nah, you know what if you're not going to do it we'll just do it so like you know like what palestine action do is i'll just turn up at a warehouse cover it all in red paint to symbolize the blood on the hands that they're responsible for and then you know occupy the warehouse and destroy it and like dismantle it and um obviously that's criminal damage and that will get you arrested and that will take you through the, the judiciary system. And this is where you need to have um, power in your convictions. You need to have like knowledge behind you about why you're doing it. And you need to own it. You need to like, you know, to be go in front of a jury or a judge and say, like, no, this is totally justified. This is the, what I've just done is a responsible, rational thinking, logical person. Because I have, I've exhausted all other methods to get this industry out of, out of this, uh, out of this country and out of, you know, if, if any society claims to be civilized, we cannot profit from war, basically. Um, and yeah, there's no justification for it. So, um, so we do that and then. And, um, you know, the way I talk to the police, like, you know, I t- at times like, you know, you're just doing your job, mate. I'm just doing my job. So, you know, whatever. Sometimes I'll have a go at them or like, you know, talk to them about the history of the police and, uh, you know, how they came into existence. Um, but it's like, you know, I tell them, you know, you, you're just like the little bodyguards. You're like, um, you know, you're just, I don't know. Um, the, I don't know the analogy you're supposed to use it, but yeah, they're just like the intermediate people that, basically bring you from what you've done stops you doing the action that you're doing and now you've got to go and justify it in a court so now with palestine action if i i've been due in judiciary system court for- hello i can hear you now i right. fucking you know what it was what? i fucking saw in I, I took a look in the fucking comments right hi david hello Alec. somebody saying the stream's coming in dead bad yeah and the reason for that is because fucking i was running me fucking vpn and so as slow as anything. This is when you um, this is when you ask people who are watching to donate money so you can upgrade your equipment and then you can uh, have a more <laughs> a slick it operation. Did go through my mind, like it did go through my mind. I'm not gonna lie, like this is me fucking. You see, like this is me. This is what I'm working with. Yeah, this is me Mars laptop because fucking I haven't got fucking headphones or a webcam. My webcam is broke. Yeah, and then fucking. I've got me telly. I haven't even got a monitor. And then I've got me PC there. And I'm using me old PC as a stand to put the laptop on. And then I've got me fucking microphone there. Yeah. Hard times. Yeah, I need the same as well. I need to say, I need a new, I need a microphone. I need a better camera. I mean, like, look at all the wavy lines. Like, the, the, um, both, like, the laptop I'm, I'm using are, I think, like, second or third hand stuff that's just given to me. Um, well, the most recent thing, I suppose, I had to buy a new phone. Please sold both of them, so that was a bit annoying. Um, I've got 
So, you know, I, yeah, I did these, these actions with Insulate Britain. Um, you know, very controversial and I can understand the con- why people think they're controversial, understood, you know, all of these sort of things. Um, but, you know, for me, like, um, for me personally, the idea of shutting down motorways was more like symbolic, really, because the, the way that our world is and the reason, you know, like, you know, the greenhouse gas emissions are out of control and the reason our planet is warming up and the reason pretty much like all the grass outside is dead because like it's so much warmer than it should be is because of our fast paced society, the way we live our, live our lives and like motorways for me are a kind of symbol of that. And like, again, for me personally, I, I saw a way of like blocking, the, you know, blocking the motorways. The way of like, you know, like just saying we need to take a bit of a, we need to slow down and we really need to think about the, the, the radical changes that we need to make in our societies to, so that humanity does have a habitable planet to live on. So, you know, did all those things and, um, I've, you know, I spent, I spent 60 days in prison for one of them because I, um, the, instead of the government just doing their job, they brought out a high court injunction instead. So all we were doing is obstruction of the highways, a really low level offense. It should only go for the magistrates. And then like, yeah, Grant Chaps was like, nah, you know what? Like, instead of listening to them, you know, uh, listening to these non-violent peaceful protesters who have actually just a completely reasonable message and is all they're doing is demanding the government just does their own job, but like insulating homes is part of the uh, Tory manifesto. They're just not doing it. Um, so we go, give them a letter, an ultimatum um, on August the 13th, something like that, and said like, do this, insulate homes or make a meaningful statement saying, you know, do it and put a program in place or we're going to go out and just block, block the motorways. So they didn't even respond. So we did it. So we did it over and over again. And then, yeah, they, they brought out the high court injunction and we did it anyway. Now, like, um, I'm not even facing a civil matter. I'm having to go through the rural courts of justice and like, you know, really higher, higher judge, like, you know, then determines, um, come. So, yeah, because like, and it's contempt of court basically, like disobeying a injunction is a contempt of court and obviously a, a high court injunction, like they, they frown upon that quite a lot. Um, wait, but like, well, so part of it, multiple, we did multiple actions. So I did like five or six different separate actions and they're pressing charges, like three, um, public nuisance charges, which you can get, um, which comes with a lot severe punishment, potentially, basically, if you're found guilty. But also, you can go through the Crown Court. So I'm going through the Crown Court. But prior to doing that, you've got to do all this bureaucracy. It's ridiculous. So you've got to go to the magistrates first to plea. So as you do the, so it's like, nah, not guilty. So first time I did it, went to it, went in. Sat, I'm just sat sat there in the box. They go like, "Can you say your name?" So say my name, and then like they look at me. It's like, "No, no, you need to stand up when you say your name." But no, no, no. It's like, good. I, I, I'm cool. I don't need to stand up for you. I'm perfectly fine sitting. It's like, I don't you know? No, you need to stand up out of respect. And it's like, well, respect works both ways. And you never stand up when you speak to me. So why should I stand up when um speak to you? Um, sometimes they'll like send me out. Sometimes I just like get annoyed. Like carry on. I did this one, so I had a plea hearing then in a Crown Court, so it's ridiculous. So I plea in a magistrate's court in, like, Crawley, and then I've got to go for the same trials, for the same, like, case. Now go to a Crown Court to do, it's like a plea and trial preparation. So you go to plea again, potentially, if you change your minds, and then you, um, you'll decide some dates when you'll go. 
the trial will actually happen. So I went along. It was delayed by an hour or so because the um, what was going on in the courtroom was this other big trial, and I think they overran. So I was just like waiting around for like an hour. So in, the judge is already ready. I sit down, and he go, and it's the same deal again. It's like stand up. I just I just shake my head at him, laugh, and I just go, I cannot believe any of you have the audacity to ask me to stand up for you. Um. You keep on bringing in the fire alarm. You keep on arresting and, and punishing the fire alarm instead of putting out the fire. Um, none of you are doing your job correctly. The system's corrupt. And he just like cuts me off and he goes like, Tim, not standing up for me. You, you know, you're standing up for the court system as whole. And then he just like rambles on about like whatever he said for like a minute, two minutes. I just sit there, don't say anything and just wait until he stops. I was like, whoa. I can't stand up for the court system, can I? It sent me to prison for 66 days. It's totally ludicrous. Um, and then, um, and he goes, um, I go, actually, you know, if anything, you should be standing up for me. Like, you know, if humanity somehow survives this, like, you know, um, future generations will look back in total respect about what I'm doing. Like, you, on the other hand, you're, you know, you're getting in the way of progress. You're delaying progress. Um, he goes, right, I'm going to send you into the holding cells for 30 minutes to calm down. So it's like, what? And then, like, the, the guy that's in the box with me, like, basically marches me downstairs into the courtroom holding cells. And it's like, what is going on? It's like, I'm here to, I'm here to plea. I'm just not going to stand up for you. Um, so he puts me in the cell. Um, and then, like, five minutes later, comes back to me and goes, um, I'm just gonna, this is the guy that marched me down, like the security guard that marched me down from the cell, from the holding, from the dock to the holding cells. And, um, if you don't stand up for the judge, it's very, very likely he will be sending you to prison on remand for two weeks for contempt of court. They go, well, you can just go and tell the judge that I'd rather starve to death in prison than stand up for him because I'll be going on a hunger strike and a thirst strike if he was to put me up for this because it's totally ludicrous. I don't have to stand up for him. This is just something that he's imposing by himself. So let's just get this over and done with. Like, we don't need to wait half an hour. I am not standing up, so it's up to the judge what he wants to do. We go back up. So he goes away. He comes back another five minutes. I've only been down there for 10. The judge says I'm going to be down there for 30 to calm down. Down there for 10 minutes. Go back up. I'm the first in there this time. Calm just, down. I just sit there. Um, he comes in, walks in. Everyone's expected to all rise. I don't. He, he sits down, looks at me. And he just his first words that he says to me, he goes, are you going to grow up? I just like, uh, I just look at him, total disgust, sh- shrug my shoulders. And it's like, I didn't say this, but it's like, mate, like, I'm not being the childish one by like imposing this outdated sort of way. Like, you know, like, who are you to make me stand up for you? Who are you? Who are you to judge me? Like, okay. um, you know, you're going to face your equivalent of the Nuremberg trials one day for, for your slowing progress down, basically. Um, you know, what you're, what you're facilitating is a disgrace. Um, he goes like, so I was supposed to be in like a week before, but I had a bike accident. I was like bombing along on my bike. This woman opened a car door, this, you know, car door got opened. I just like slammed my brakes on just like reactionary fast and just like flipped over the handlebars and like smacked into my ribs and just like, you know, it's really painful. So I rung them up. Like, I can't make it in today. 
Like, I, you know, my ribs are in pain. I'm just not doing it. If you want to put a warrant out for my arrest, you're not coming to court today, whatever. But like, I'm not, I'm not coming in. They go, that's fine. You can come in like on the Monday and like this was on the Thursday. So four days or whatever. Um, and I go, yeah, cool. And then like, you know, so I've done all this stuff. I'm not stood up for it. We've gone through this like charade, this like pantomime sort of like <laughs> show. And yeah. he goes, oh, I was going to ask about like your injury. I was going to ask about how your ribs were. I was concerned about your health and safety. Um, but um, I'm not going to do that now because you're the most rude, obnoxious, arrogant person oh I've ever God. encountered in this courtroom. Um, I don't know. He said a few other things. It's like, don't answer to you, mate. I'm going to answer to a jury. Like I'm going to explain mm. all I, I said to him. All I need are 12 people can think rationally, can understand the basic science of the reality that we're in, they would see that what we did was completely reasonable and rational and logical based on the situation that we're in at this moment in time. Yeah, I'm very mature. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he just looked at me, laughed, just couldn't believe how arrogant I was. Uh, yeah, that was that, and I can't remember what I'm next due in. I've got like, yeah, I need to start making some new notes in my new phone because I had all my dates on my old phone, but when I'm supposed to be in a court for the police station, so oh, I need to update it. But um, yeah, that was good. You know, like, yeah, they don't like it. That's another way. Like, other people have different approaches. Other people come in with maybe a softer sort of side. I don't know. Like for me, I, I if you come, I, I almost like reflect the sort of like energy I'm getting back from the other person. So if I'm getting this like. Um, a vibe from the person that they think they're better than me and you know they're in a position where they think they need to be respected um i'll i'll determine that if they need that respect or not for me um the magistrate judge deserves my no judge deserves my respect because they shouldn't be entertaining the idea of bringing me in in the first place because you know it's the police that then on the cps that press forward the charges and then it's up to the judge basically i think well you know all right yeah cool we're going to hold this because like this needs to be thought through it's like the judge should be looking like what what did he do he's 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 uh he's blocking a dairy facility because dairy is one of the number one contributors to making this planet uninhabitable it's not the only one but it's like a big contribution but i we should be giving him a medal. Like, where's his medal ceremony? It's like, no, we're going to bring him into court and prosecute him and, like, waste his time. It's like, I have no respect for those judges that are entertaining all of it. Um, you know, I actually found not guilty. You know, I've done one recently with Animal Rebellion where we blocked Arla, so Arla Distribution Centre. Remember the exact location, like, Ellsbury, and it was, like, last last September, no, last August. And, uh, we blocked the entrances, like, there's, a you know, an exit and then an entrance to the facility and uh, we blocked it so none of the uh, lorries could get in or out of the production plant so if they can't get their, their lorries in they can't then start distributing the dairy that they're pasteurizing in these facilities so you know we did that set that up set that up as long as possible in these bamboo structures lock-ons and stuff um, and then you know police come along us to move and i go like now i um, need to facilitate this protest um, you know, you need to go and get like, you know, the head dude, the head, you know, the head person, whoever's in Arla at this moment in time, tell them to come out and like, you know, we've got our demands and like we're moved when our demands are met. Well, that's never going to happen. Is it? Well, it's not going to happen if you don't try. Um, but the demands are completely reasonable. Um, and yeah, like they thought like, yeah, our protest was going on too long, disrupted people. So they arrested us for obstruction of the highway. 
judges, we went to the court, we pleaded not guilty based on the fact that we're in a climate emergency and it should be, um, uh, it's morally unjustifiable to profit from anyone. And regardless of what their species is, we should not be profiting off anyone. And the dairy industry profits from um, exploiting dairy cows in like some of the most horrific, horrific ways imaginable. Um, and yeah, when the judge came with their final verdict after we gave like the reasons why we did what we did, and um, he said, and he found us not guilty because he said it wouldn't be proportionate for the people for us to face any further like prosecution, any any further crime, you know, any further charges. Um, being spending like you know nine hours in a police cell, being arrested, and like going through the court system. In his mind, like that that was enough. But so. It, we've, we were found not guilty. Now there's case law for people to come and do the same thing and they should be found not guilty as well. They basically almost like copy what we do. You don't have to use boundary yeah. structures. You could just, you know, use whatever structures you like or people power. If there's like 500 people or a thousand people just like blocking the entrance or something, it's like, it's going to take the police a long time to remove all those people. Um, and animal rebellion are going to be doing that in September. There's the campaign called Stop the Supply. Um, um, the plan is is to disrupt the industry so much that um, milk bottles will run dry in the supermarket shelves. So obviously, then hopefully that will create a national conversation and give us a platform to be able to um, explain like the reality of what's going on and why we need to transition to a plant-based, locally sourced, just and sustainable system and move away from animal agriculture, which is like is it's destroying our planet. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a natural economic process of, of capitalism. It's destined to, you know, take it to the most extremes. It's not going to be tamed as long as there's capitalism. You're going to have that ex- the hyper-exploitation that's detrimental to all of life on this planet. Yeah, so just a couple of questions left and something I want to touch on. So what, you went to jail for 66 days for obstruction of the highway, like a motorway. Is that right? I did six days for a Palestine action demonstration and six 60 days, two months for the um, intake crossing campaign. Um, what, did, what, what was you doing for the Palestine action to give you six days? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it's Tamworth, um, March oh. of last year. It was just me and one other guy. And we went to, went to the factory. Um, I sprayed it with two full bottles of, the fire extinguishers were red so it was really fun really weird because like it was like like the whole thing was like so stressful see i've never really done an action like where you're going out like real property damage or that's the intention of property damage always really just done more like blocking of the roads and things and like those like Mm. those actions so that was a bit of a step up for me and um yeah to begin with we got lost getting there so like my stomach was just all over the place like the driver literally couldn't find it we were circling like the industrial estate for a while and it's like uh. and you know we're getting to the time where it's like the the first the workers are going to be showing up and the idea was to get there when it's like completely empty so we can do what we want to do at the front and then get on the roof and then like yeah. shut the place down and not have any workers go in there mm. yeah got there still like you know so dusk so it was still dark and they had the security lights on at the front and then like firing the red fire extinguisher when it hits, hits the lights and it just goes this like really dark red, like eerie stranger thing oh. sort of like that was pretty cool. So we did that and then we got on top of the roof 
And then we just did like some graffiti damage. I always say this, like, you know, if um, Palestine Action ever had like a lead table and like, you know, the point scoring systems, basically like the amount of damage that you've done to the factory, he and my mate would be in the relegation zone and like we would be staying in the league, we'll be going down to the bottom of the league because we, like, we, we, we did the least amount of damage. We did like 10 grand's worth of damage, which was like absolutely nothing. But so by the time we got there, um, there, we thought there were people already in the factory and um, we just, between the two of us, uh, decided that we weren't going to start like smashing the windows and stuff because, um, you know, you know, we didn't. Uh, obviously, as her, it is her horrific, and we would be justified doing that. Um, and you know, terrifying, like potentially like a cleaner who maybe doesn't really um, think. And anyway, we just decided not to. Um, but we did other stuff, like I, I, I spray painted on the side, like um, KL, which was the thing. It's a subsidiary. Um, from death on the side, so people from the road can see like elite KL profits from. So you're doing the least amount of damage, but then you actually got prison time. Well, this is the thing. So got taken to the station. That's like I think it's the longest time I've been in a police station for. I was almost in there for two days. Took ages, and then they finally questioned us, and then did the interview, and then basically like you know with all the timings of where it flat. Uh, when they finished their investigation within the police station, they decided they were going to just take us straight to the magistrate's court for our plea hearing. Um, so, yeah, like then we had some wait until the next available one. So like a couple days later in the morning. And um, by this time, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just didn't think I'd be going on remand. I just think it would be the usual. You just be like bail. Like you can't come back to this yeah. area, basically. And it's like... I've never skipped bail, really, I don't think. I always, Like I said, like all the actions I do, I feel like fully justified in doing them. I like it, but I will go to the courthouse and say this. Like I'm not looking to like uh, run away from these. I own all the actions. It's like you can bail me and like I'll tell I want to go to court and educate you all. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, so this but like by this time, I'm, I'm now in the holding cells of the um, Straits uh, Courthouse. It's the first time I've spoken to a solicitor in a while. Just like, you know, don't need a solicitor just to say no, in, no comment. And all the, uh, someone like, like, say no comment. It's like, oh, okay, I could do that by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I, I was on the phone with them. It's like, you know, what is the likelihood of me going in a remand right now? Cause it just, I don't know. Like it just started to feel like this is getting a bit more serious. The fact that we're having to go How through long this ago process. Was this? Cause this, this isn't common nowadays, is it? This is over a year ago. It was um, yeah. it was March of 21, basically I think something around then. So he goes, the, my sister on the phone. Right. Well, basically, if you get a judge who's like you know totally reasonable, can understand the difference between you know random criminality and and, and a protest, you know, are two two different two very different things. Um. So you're gonna get you'll get bail. You might get strict bail, but you will be released today, um, and then we'll come for a trial. He goes like, if you get an unreasonable judge, like you know, this is what I was talking about earlier about like the fact that there's no consistency within these systems, and, and basically you're at the mercy of the worldview that you're being presented in front of. And we got in there, so me and my mate that did it. I mean, sit in the dark, the judge comes in and it's just this old white dude. And I just looked at my mate and just go, we are definitely going to jail. And um, he 
just goes off. He just goes off on one. Basically, he he um he recites like he basically at one stage he goes like, look at them, like look, because I've got like criminal records now. I've got like multiple criminal convictions. I I am of bad character when I'm like you know in the courtroom. Um, and he goes like, they travel around the country, they do criminal damage, they do all these things. They got no respect for the law. They go they go in prison. And, you know, you're going to go and remand for 30 days until the next thing. It's like, and it's like I don't know. That was weird because I wasn't expecting it. This was the first time I've ever been to prison. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, this is like, this is something. But it was with me and my mate. So we, 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 we drove there together in the van. There was this one other prisoner in there. And he was like, um, went to this HMP Dovegate. It's Dovegate, more like Lovegate. It's like, you're going to love it in here, guys. And it's like, you know, I don't know. He was chatting away with the, um, one of the drivers of the, you know, like Serco vans. Um, like they all know each other. And then like, I don't know, like it was it, for me anyway, like it was fine. I was treated with respect. Like when anyone asked me why I was in there, I said, because like I, I occupied a warehouse that profits from killing Palestinians and, um, or in me. Yeah, basically, like, but this was, this was like during COVID still. So they were like, they were more on like 24 hour bang up pretty much. Like, um, in oh. this is, this is a private prison. So you have, um, most of the private prisons, they have, um, I was in the cells. So you pretty much, they'll just leave you in the cell for a couple of days. And then like one, like one day a week or days a week, you get to go outside in the yard and walk around for about half an hour. Otherwise, you're in your cell. They deliver food to your cell. You've got TV. Like, yeah, to, um, we may have a book. I had a couple of books, so we were fine. But uh, we were only in there for six days in the end because um, on the next appeal, the people representing us, our solicitors, um, convinced the whoever else was the other judge, another judge, that is now you know opinion. Um, so they released us, but with like such other um, bail conditions that I've had before. So I had a tag on my ankle. Had to be home by like I think it was seven thirty or not like nine nine p.m. or something each night. Um, inter- allowed to interact with the other guy. But um, any time we were on the yard, you know, I did have the opportunity to speak to other um, you know hostages, and um, <laughs> he, you know, like yeah, like they were like good for you. Like, um, like, well done. Like, you know, like that it's only ever been, like I've only, I've either experienced people just like caring and it's like not really, I'm not interested, but then they'll talk about something that they're interested about or about the reasons that they're in there. Other, you know, other people like, you know, there's, there's a certain level of respect, you know, they're currently trying to, um, with a revolution that will change the, this is completely broken system. The system and um, mechanisms in place aren't helping the people that are in prison. These people are in prison because of, like, you know, there's multiple reasons which could prevent people from being in prison or, you know, it really shouldn't exist in their current format, basically. We need a whole, like, new reform um, and, and new work. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, they, they respect anyone, I suppose, that's going, going up against a system that has, like, failed them time and time and time and time wow wow yeah that's deep daddy um, it's it's really unfortunate that you fucking ended up um, I should say if you get a bad apple and that's gonna fucking happen yeah 
That's the thing, you know, like whenever I share any information about this, I can't, I could never guarantee an outcome or what would happen by doing an action. You know, I can, I can share basically my past experiences of what's happened. Um, what is, you know, what's more likely to be an outcome for it? Obviously not. No, it's up to the people themselves if they want to, um, suit. Okay, so it turns out that when I actually fucking got the stream back on, um, I've been streaming without sound ever since. Really? So, yeah. Have you got any advice for people who would be arrested or they're considering doing an action where they're getting arrested? First of all, like, why are you doing it? What, what's the purpose of the action? If you, if you feel like it's justifiable to be doing what you're doing, and basically, like, own that and take that through with you at all stages, so I, I think, like, once... Um, I'm at ease with facing potential police brutality. Again, I'm not really going to face it because, you know, being a white man is very, very unlikely. So obviously for other people, they're more going to be more likely that they can face oppression, racism, racism, you know, and all these other things for police officers. Um, so there's, you know, there's that, and I can't really obviously give an experience of that, uh, what that would be like. But for me, like when I've done a non-violent protest and like it's it's been, you know, that's amplified and told we are a non-violent movement and this is our goals and aims. I personally haven't really interacted with any police officers of like too much hostility. You know, guys actually like we were up against recently, they're a bit more like aggro, like, especially like guy that stops us. Yeah. And like well, the way when they fucking... Um, like searched us they were like being really like like putting their hands all over me searching for some you just gotta own it you know you just really just got to own it um just this notion of like the theory of change of like um inspiring people others through our sacrifices so mm. you know like i don't want to use it as a saying like it's the same thing but it's like what like Rosa Parks, like, not moving on the bus, she knew that that would then lead her to face punishment, and she did it anyway, and that resonated with the general public, not all of them, a lot of people are like, dare you, like, um, you should move, and like, you know. But that, um, injustice that was, that was posed upon her, resonated with people and then helps other people be like, no, I think that's an injustice and I want to join this movement and I want to make sure that segregation on the back ends and anyone, whatever colour they are, can sit wherever they like. Um, like when we go out and do, say, you know, for Palestine action, actually face um, fear punishment, the aims is basically hoping to tap into um, the public and say, do you think this is fair? Do you think what the the activists are doing is wrong, um, or do you think what the company thing is wrong? Mm. And if you do face punishment, you know, so like you know, times when I was in Spain in prison, like that has helped other people basically like um, change their own boundaries and like what else they're willing to do, or potentially you know what other punishments they're into face potentially themselves into a position so you like um for me personally i think like a, a way of conveying uh getting empathy from the general public and having um, them basically seeing that it's the state who are being the oppressors 
and then it shouldn't they shouldn't be locking up the activists and the people just raising the alarm like you basically shoot the messenger and just listen to the message I mean, I think that that was all well said. That was a lot of great advice. Obviously, be be careful. Some police are jobs worth. They're out to get a fucking a promotion, so they will try and act the fucking big bollocks in front of everybody else because they're all fucking competitive, egotistic, machismo, fucking parasites. And yeah, just remember why you're doing it, and then you know stick to your convictions if it's right. You know, Rosa Parks was labelled. Uh, crazy, you know, um, that that it was pointless doing, it was just causing shit for people, causing shit for her, but you know, history is driven by class struggle, people have always struggled against the state to improve the quality of life, and that's what we've got to continue doing, or we can just not get arrested, stand by, and, and try and inspire others to to resist and fight for change and then just continue to work for these capitalist companies and then just be complicit in the entire destruction of a fucking species. I mean, that's, I mean, socialism or extinction, as I'm concerned. Boss, so have you got any plugs? Where can people find you? Where can they follow you? And where can they support you in any way, shape or form? Because you do deserve it. So yeah, on Twitter, you know, I've got Twitter, Tim.Spears. I'm sure if you just put in Tim Spears, follow me on Twitter, on Instagram or Facebook. Be more involved with this animal rebellion campaign to stop the supply and that's coming up. So if anyone wants to basically find out any more information, um, you can go to like animalrebellion.org. They've got, and you know, on Instagram and Facebook as well. We have like multiple Zooms coming up thinking about uh, what the plan is like why we're doing it and then they'll have like uh, non-violent direct action trainings and then they'll also have legal briefings and people can be basically presented with all the information about like what's going to happen but you know now we've got case law on our side we've literally done actions and blocked a dairy just by obstruction of the way um so that's in case law now where potentially people, if they replicated it, did exactly the same. They should be fine. The, the court system should be finding us not guilty. There's going to be consistency. How could basically, yeah. like, you know, you copy and do exactly what we did when we got found guilty, and then you start finding other people guilty? Like, the law should be working. So, you know, hopefully that is a way that, you know, that is, I suppose, what I try to do is just, like, lead by example. The organizing aspects of, like, trying to get movements and people together is just so hard. It's really hard. Um, you know, the people that work behind the scenes, like Animal Rebellion, they do so much more than we do. We just do, we work to our strengths, I suppose. And actually, my strength is just being a bit of a nuisance, a bit stubborn. Um, essentially, now, yeah, I want to drop. So, yeah, I've got my YouTube channel. So, that's aggravated. Maybe I'll give you the link to all of uh, my, my social media. So, I love you and leave you now. And as always, workers and lumping of the world. Make it and lost your senses What can you do in there? Oh, you better collect your pieces Freedom, it waits out here Thought of you.